Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. This season is 2002, and we are hard at work, sort of. We've done a couple movies, but man, we really got to get on it. There's so many movies we're doing this season. This is the first season we've we've ever done 16 instead of usually just the Elite Eight, and we've barely done anything. With me, as always, Greg. Sorry. I, I thought I would just jump in there. All right, let's do, hold on one more time. Let's, yeah. I, I'm just going to talk, and then you jump in. With me yeah. as always is Greg. Hey, it's me, Greg. Yeah, we were like, we'll do more movies than we've ever done before. And now we're like, eh, we'll do them later. <laughs> and uh, at some point, we have to break for the end of the year shows. So 2002, you're going to be with us for longer than the actual year 2002. Uh, let us never forget that special year. Um, Mike could not be with us tonight. Uh, that's why I'm hosting. So taking... His place is professional mic impersonator, Caitlin. Oh, yay, it's Caitlin. I, <laughs> I love 2002 and movies and food, Italian. I'm Mike. That, that's, that's why she's a professional, folks. That's the exact uh, impression that she gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do. Caitlin, you had uh, you talked to like Enron or some company the other day like mm-hmm. for a seminar. And as Mike, how much money did you make for that? I made so much money. I actually own like oil corporations now. Like <laughs> wow. I have so much wealth. It's crazy. You got paid in oil corporations. Yep. It's great. We'll give you three different oil corporations, please. Yeah. I own BP now. Tonight we're doing State of the Franchise, and this is where we go through the franchises that were important to 2002 and sort of decide whether or not they're on life support or they're still doing okay. Let's just in talk- 2002. In 2002, yeah. yeah. And what we can do to change them to be more 2022. This is the 20 year anniversary of that. Every day of this year is the 20th anniversary of that mm-hmm. year. So much to celebrate. Um, <laughs> just in general, though, we know the state of the franchise in 2022. It's be that or don't. Like, be that or be dead. In 2002, do you guys like sort of can you talk to about the general state of the franchise like was it as vital to be a part of a franchise back then? No, I think if it's like you had to sort of not be part of a franchise but maybe there was still the cachet of being like a recognizable property. Because yes. I mean there there IP. is yeah, but it felt less franchisey and more like this is a different take on the same thing. Because you know there's a Blade movie there's um uh, like a Hannibal Lecter movie in Red Dragon, but Blade isn't a direct sequel. But Red Dragon doesn't feel like so much a prequel as it feels like a kind of different take on the same idea. Y- you remember this character, right? You'll buy tickets just because of that, right? Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is going to be doing the character, so come on in and check it out. Does uh, Caitlin at this time for you? Does knowing the character is that a better chance of you being in the movie theater? A hundred percent. Like, I think this is where franchises like really started for me um, because like there's Spider-Man's, there's Harry Potter, there's Star Wars, all these things where, yeah, I was watching one movie, but I knew I was going to watch more or I watched them previously, which got me to come back to the theater. So I think this was like the start of it. And now now we're deep in it. I do. I do think, yeah, that like in the 90s, there was an 80s, there was a couple of major sequels. But for the most part, it was like, oh, you're trash. Like, you're a horror franchise if you have a sequel. And this is when it really started to kick off of um, you can make okay money if if we've never heard of your character. But you will. The only way to make bank bank is to, like, we have heard of these characters before. Mm -hmm. 
And I think this might have been the start of where we don't care about actors anymore. Like, we're not going to see Tobey Maguire. We're going to see Spider-Man. And that's sort of where I want to start here, uh, is Spider-Man. Um, what, let, let's just, what is the state of the franchise with Spider-Man right now, would you guys say? This, this is the year the first one came out, right? Because that was right. our, one of our first episodes. I, well, I mean, a, a very strong first entry. Um, I think that nobody at the at, at this point thought of it as a franchise. Thought probably it would just be a one-off, but a lot of promise and a lot of early early returns for Spider-Man. I mean, we have a movie with all the three Spidermans in it now, like that came out. I think this year. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna so, get to. Th- there's a couple of times tonight in this episode where we're going to talk about, wow, they brought the 2002 people back for 2022 stuff. Um, but Spider-Man, I think, was the most important. And I think that it ended in a way where it, w- it wasn't like a cliffhanger, but it was like, we've got some more things up Yeah, he's sleeve. probably going to return. Yeah. This guy's probably He might back. sling some more webs. <laughs> but, you know, um, it like part of what was so exciting about it, we talked about this on the show, was that it obviously like loves comic books. And so it was like an, an enthusiastic support of Spider-Man, like an enthusiastic entry into a whole new thing that like the last chapter of which, as Caitlin referenced, just closed recently. Would you say that 20 years later after this movie, I think that this movie was a surprise hit, you know, I yes. think that um, it's not Superman, Batman or Wonder Woman. You know, it's it wasn't one of the three big ones of a different company. I feel uh, like if they thought for sure it was going to be a hit, they wouldn't have given it to Sam Raimi. For sure, yeah. Or they wouldn't have sold off the rights to a different company. You yeah. know, like uh, they would have held on to that for as long as possible. It took decades of it going, and they still don't even own it outright. Like they have a partnership, the Marvel, yeah. the owners of Marvel. Um, but. Would you say now, over the last 20 years since this movie, he has become the number one superhero, if not the number one fictional character? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely. He, it seems like it all starts and ends with him. And kind of, um, he has had a big hand in like the whole creation of multiverses. It's not just exclusively Spider-Man, but like that's an idea that kind of does start with the different Spider-Men. And so that, I think, is, like, a, a kind of genre unto itself and a character that is, like, a mascot for that. I yeah. think Spider-Man is, like, the, like, if we were to look at 2000 to, or 2002 to 2022, like, Spider-Man has grown so much. And, yes, like, the first Spider-Man movie was so exciting. But, like, having all three speeder, Spidermans this year, like, and just seeing how much it's grown, it's, like... It's doing pretty fucking good, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) I would say thumbs up to them. Yeah, I think the back-to-back of Into the Spider-Verse and No Way Home was sort of like not just proof, but also playing on the fact that this is the biggest character. And it's always so fun. It seems like a character that you think you'd get like bored with, but they keep twisting and turning it in different ways where you're like, man, I I sure do like this Spider-Man still. That's a good point. In a way that like Batman, who I would say is his rival as far as the number one person, is not fun. Yeah, and I think they're drawing on something that the comic book character of Spider-Man definitely has, but they draw on it in a unique movie way, which is that um, we know that all these superheroes are 
actually people and that they have like human experiences too. But Spider-Man does a really good job of showing the character like kind of first as human. And so I think that that really helps us to connect to everything that the character is going through and to really care and feel like we're sort of in the shoes of Spider-Man. To me, that seems like such an obvious thing that people refuse to copy. They refuse to be like, well, then we'll do the opposite. If that's what everybody loves, we'll do the other thing. Like, yeah, guys, make us feel for your character, the actual character. And that's something that kind of can, you know, you could trace all the way back to um, the Christopher Reeves Superman movie. So it's like, it's, it is in the character of, of several combo characters. It's just not part of Batman for Mm -hmm. sure. Like, you know, Batman as a franchise holds Bruce Wayne and people like him with in a lot of, you know, with a lot of contempt insofar as Bruce Wayne is just a kind of ineffectual, rich playboy. But Spider-Man, the, the, the universe cares about Peter Parker and the tension between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, if I could uh, trade any franchise right now, currently in 2022, for three oil companies. Uh, I don't even know if that's everything you own. I just know you own at least three. Um, would Spider-Man be the one you trade it for? Wow, that's a hard one because we also have like Star Wars and stuff. That yeah. one's kind of, you know, we'll talk about that probably. But um, God, yeah, I would do it. I- I'd give you an oil company for for Spider-Man. Okay, I wanted three, but I'll take the one. I'll I give guess. you one. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could just go host SNL as a mic impersonator and then you'll get three more oil companies, but that's fine. I think for O2, or O2 and 22, Spider-Man is the one. And now he's off the board. And so we're going to take a break, and we're going to dive into some of these lesser-known things, like that gross Star Wars thing Caitlin just mentioned. The next most important franchise, I think, is probably The Two Towers. Um, This is the second part of Peter Jackson's all-filmed-at-once Lord of the Rings trilogy. For a lot of people, I think it was the introduction to Lord of the Rings. Um, it's a franchise that has, has had so much staying power that there's been huge battles over the rights to this property that finally got figured out and we got delivered more of it in this year. Uh, Caitlin, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Uh, how, how big of a deal do you think Lord of the Rings was 20 years ago? Did it seem like to the, the society? Oh, I mean, it was huge because everyone had read The Hobbit in school or like knew of the books and then... Um, I just remember it being just huge, like hearing about it. And then my mom was all into it. So, of course, I went to the theaters and saw it. And I mean, yeah, it was it was a big deal. Did you want to go or did you go because um, your mom did? I wanted to go because it was fantasy and that's the type of genre that I liked in action. I was like, this sounds like everything I like. And there's elves, too. For you, Greg, I actually don't know the answer to this question. Did Peter Jackson get you into the Lord of the Rings or were you jacked up for the movies because of previous knowledge? It was a weird thing where it was like I knew the movies were coming out and so I read the books. I had been meaning to read the books for a long time and then I was like, oh, the movies are coming out, so I'll do that now. But that's a little bit different, obviously, than being like, oh, I was into them in high school and had read them all and was excited about the movie. And so they're very much, to me, sort of like bound together. But I remember it being huge in the sense that nothing that was like fantasy had been popular forever. Right. It felt like. The closest thing was Star Wars, which is a fantasy. It's a space fantasy. But it doesn't feel like it, really. Star Wars feels very much just pretty much straight sci-fi to most people. 
And so, and it didn't try to like um, do that thing where like when the X Men movie came out and they all had to be wearing like black leather and like because they wouldn't dare put on like the costumes from the comic book. It was very much just like, yeah, this stuff is pretty wild sometimes, and some of the things they say are pretty dorky. And it kind it leaned into it, you know, and then really highlighted what was fun about it at the same time. So it just felt like it kind of was a a temperature shift. Like we never would have had um, Game of Thrones or hot d without this like popping off the way that it did there's no way and the crazy thing to me too is that this isn't just fantasy it's like the urtext of fantasy like this yeah. is the thing that designed all of the types of characters that you see like all of the races like everything right yeah i mean it it basically it does a good job of translating like norse mythology and the like sort of fairy tale into a more codified system that basically has persisted since then in in all sorts of fantasy you know like some variation of it um do you guys feel that it is let's get to the amazon show in a second but do you guys feel that like looking back with these other major we've got four major uh franchises two of which we'll get to the other one is spider-man uh do you feel that it was buried in there or do you feel like it definitely rose above and like there were other things in its shadow for sure I would say definitely rose above. Mm-hmm. I would say that it, it felt like one of the biggest like cultural touchstones of 2002. Is it weird sure. that it did this whole thing of uh, being very popular and good? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was weird for 2002. You know, I think that the, the, those two things didn't always go together where it would be a big property uh, and also be good at the same time. I wonder if we missed Twitter or whatever in that time i wonder if it was a bunch of like this isn't true to the books i hate this let's all like negative backlash because now normies are watching our shit oh yeah for sure there's a there's a whole contingent of people represented by uh ben from uh parks and rec who's just like well i I don't i don't care for peter jackson's interpretation of lord of the rings because it's very actiony you know instead of like the very slow sort of like meticulous pace of the original novels. And there's a piece of grass, and there's a blade of grass, and there's yeah. a blade of grass. Yeah, like, and they camped here, and then they're like, you know what, while we're smoking our pipes around the fire, is it cool if I pop off with a big dwarven poem? It's like, nah, man, go for it. It's like, all right, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> See, there's no way that at my advanced age and patience, I would be like, oh, I, I'll, I'll just read this poem. I would be blazing through that th- that book as fast as possible. It's, dude, yeah, that's one thing is nice if you can get an audio version of the original books because uh, a lot of them, like, think out ha- how to, like, perform the poems so that they're kind of cool, they're chants and stuff. But when you are reading and you're, like, kind of tired and you mm-hmm. come to, like, four pages of, like, a poem, it's so hard not to be like, all right, I'm just going to circle back around later and scoop this up. But for now, why don't I move on to the narrative proper? Is it akin, Greg, to when you're reading a comic book and there's a you turn the page and it's all prose and you're like, you, you motherfuckers. Yeah, like, they how like, did you do this to me? They like show you the page of a newspaper, but you're supposed to read the article on the newspaper or like the columns in a magazine and you're yeah. like, get the hell out of here. I said, <laughs> I'm doing comics right now. You were already pushing it with all that text on the last page. But what do we think of the state of the franchise in 2022? In 2022, okay, so now we are saying of now. Yeah. I would say weaker than in 2002. It's in an okay place, but I think the Amazon show, I liked it 
a lot. I thought it was fun, and I thought they really leaned into, again, how dorky it is. And I thought it especially paid off if you watched, if you made it through the whole season. Some really big things happened, some really cool things happened, some very interesting twists. But I'm just going, I'm just like, you know, doing the zeitgeist meter. And it was right up against House of D. And it got taken to the cleaners, I felt like, culturally, like, every week Buzz it wise. lost. Buzz-wise, yeah. Yeah, it lost the conversation every single week, and that matters, so. Caitlin, what are you going to do in a world where one show has intrigue and incest and, like, murder, and the other one's like, uh, we're going to tell our story in our way. Like, can you compete? I mean, in my world, I didn't watch The House of D because of the incest and stuff. I was like, I would prefer high fantasy. So I watched all of the Rings of Power. And for me, I don't know. It was very exciting. I liked it just like Greg. But Lord of the Rings, I feel like I didn't even realize it was 2002 because it's just a movie that continues to, like, people can pop it on. Like, that's one of the movies that we always just pop on if there's, like, a... Like, nothing to do. You put on Lord of the Rings. It's so weird how much, like, every social group, it's not just individuals. It's like every social group is like, uh, you know, we have not come together and watched the Lord of the Rings movies recently. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Maybe we we'll block out a that, weekend right? to do that. <laughs> I've also, I think we talked about this before uh, when we uh, did the first movie, but it's become sort of a fall, winter, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. tradition for so many people. That's cool. And the only, the only thing I can say is that the movies came out at about that time. Yeah. Uh, but like everybody's and blockbuster like, movies sometimes have a holiday feel. They can have a summer feel, but sometimes they can have a holiday feel. And I think like, cause it's mostly cold in the places they go. <laughs> See, to me, summer blockbusters are bright and sunny. I don't know why I would get that idea. And fall blockbusters like this one and the one we're about to talk about are sort of darker and snowier. And yeah. so it makes more sense to do this in winter time. Fireplaces on or you're, fireplace tv if you have two tvs i would put one on the fireplace channel the other has lord of the rings going the other thing i wanted to ask you guys about the show is do you guys and you're both rings of power defenders but for sure yeah (laughs) um do you guys think that maybe there's a timelessness to rings of power where uh hot d gets all of the tweets right now because of how it's like (gasps) cliffhangers and incest and but (laughs) 10 years from now even five years from now we're going to talk more about the Rings of Power show because everybody has time to watch it and it's more timeless. Does that theory make sense? Well, I think with how like streaming and everything is now, there's always going to be something hot and new. So I think if this, like the Rings of Power were let on, uh, put out a while ago probably, but right now, I'm not sure. But it does have so much in it where you could just keep watching it and find little like nuggets of knowledge or something within the Rings of Power where I don't know about House of D and stuff like that, but... But yeah, I, I I mean, it's one of those that I would go back to and watch again. Hot D is definitely not, let's throw this on in the background, or let's throw this on because no. a group of people are over. Oh, no. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to see. <laughs> yeah, and seriously. <laughs> unless it's your siblings and your cousin. Then you throw it on. It's one of those shows where I live like, my, my living room window is kind of just like very close to the sidewalk outside my house. And there are times where we're watching that show and I'm like, I got to get up and close the blinds. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. just have this, like, because, bro- like, like, my TV is visible from outside our house. I have to say, though, even having said that, um, for me, what I like so much about uh, The House of the Dragon is, like, the political intrigue and all the, the infighting and the positioning and, you know, the alliances breaking and reforming. And um, so 
the, all the bombast and all the the sort of like um I don't know racy material it doesn't do that much for me personally but I guess it is what keeps it in the cultural conversation so as to which I think will last longer I don't know I I, I think they're both intellectual shows ultimately I really do they just approach being intellectual in different ways one Lord of the Rings is like very sunny in a lot of ways not totally but it, it looks at kind of like a our better angels and house of the dragon looks at sort of our lesser selves and i think that that's the divide more than like an intellectualism or or there's also like really big bombastic things that happen in lord of the rings it is also a very action-oriented show so i just think that's not necessarily what separates them is this Tom Bombastic? Is this the character that we've been waiting for? <laughs> still still no Tom Bombadil. Damn but... it. What is up with that guy's agent? Yeah, you gotta get in there. I think it's I think if you you conceive of an idea, like Tolkien thought of this idea, like there should be this basically godlike figure, extremely powerful figure, but who just doesn't feel like getting involved, and so he shouldn't do anything at all. And like the Watcher, the Watcher? Th- Yes, and then everyone else that came along was like, okay, but you can see why that's not interesting, right? <laughs> like, that's narratively, it doesn't do much if his distinct characteristic is he doesn't get involved and he doesn't care to explain himself. If there was two of them and everything that happens, the two of them are like, should we? Do, do you want? Do, well, there's well, his I don't cool want wife. Should you? There's his cool wife, Mary Gold or whatever her name is. I, I, I guarantee, I'm sure that Peter Jackson's cutting of that character was a great choice. It's just, I hear about him all the time. Uh, let me reintroduce my panelists tonight. Uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, with me is Greg, who I would say on average, and Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, gives every Star Wars thing probably 10 to 20% more quality credibility than the most of the people. That's fair. With me as well as Caitlin who uh, dressed along with her husband as Star Wars characters at her wedding. Greg, you are on record saying that as much as I love Star Wars, Attack of the Clones is pure fucking trash. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it used to be my A number one pick for worst Star Wars movie. But uh, The Rise of Skywalker is so... Oh, shit, really? Yeah. uh, Yeah, I think The Rise of Skywalker is one of the worst things to ever happen. Is the Rise of of the Resistance a better movie than the Rise of Skywalker? Oh, yeah, dude. Rise of Resistance, for sure. I got way more of my money's worth when I paid the extra, like, 20 bucks or whatever it cost to go on that ride. Should Uh, people start ranking that in their Star Wars rankings? And how much higher would it be than a lot of other things? Dude, that ride rules. (laughs) They should start ranking it in their, like, lifetime experiences. (laughs) It is. You never, especially the first time you go on it, because you have no idea what's going on. You're like, am I... Is this the ride? Am I even on it yet? <laughs> what is going on? Until you're booted out into the gift shop. Yeah, Kate- and then you're standing back in Star Wars land. I think I'm a spy now. Checking for like laser injuries. Caitlin, you, uh, you're a solid 25 to 30 years younger than the two of us. Is Attack of the Clones a good movie? Um, I like it for nostalgia. Um, it's one of those where I enjoy, which most people don't enjoy, the Anakin Padme relationship. Oh in this. my goodness! <laughs> those are the parts where I really enjoy it. Plus, because general- you enjoy the the acting between the two. It's because Caitlin it's- Caitlin realized. I got this from the oral history of the CW. Two people watched that and said, "We can make a whole channel of this shit." And- <laughs> 
<laughs> so I don't know how credible this is making me, but yeah, I do like that part and also everything with General Grievous in this. So um, okay, yes. well, no complaints about General Grievous. Like there sure. are very very cool parts of yeah. Attack of the Clones. There's the um, there's the Yoda Camino. and Doku fight, right? Don't they fight in? Oh yes. I yeah, so. and so you get you do get a lot of cool stuff. It's just. George Lucas, it became so clear in the when he remade the or when he did the fir- the first three, the prequels, it became so clear that he doesn't really understand people or like how they work, and he certainly does not understand what it's like to be people falling in love, because those scenes are just like he, it's so clear he got to those pages and he was just like, what even happens in these exchanges, and you can tell the actors have no idea like how their characters are supposed to be feeling. And, like, what they're supposed to be aware of. I also think, too, as somebody who uh, will, you know, live and die and defend 4, 5, and 6, um, I can feel everybody back then when they came out being like, we love it, it's corny. And he was like, yeah. I'm glad you love it, but what was that second thing you said? I don't understand yeah. the second thing. <laughs> and then when the uh, prequels came out, uh, it was it was more corny, but not by that much. But still, we at that point, we'd be like, all right, fuck this shit, dude. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he, he will unironically say that he kind of thinks of them as like silent movies with the score. Being I would like, have loved this being silent. Yeah. And so like, then what, what does he think of like written dialogue if he thinks that it should instead they should just be like title cards that pop up? Has anybody done that on YouTube or whatever where they say a line and then the title card? That, it would be more so much more clear and readable if... It was just a title card instead of having to listen to this dialogue come out of their mouths. That's and the we, thing. We know at this point um, that Hayden and Natalie are capable of good performances. Yes. Yeah. Like he sucked the talent out of their bodies and and ruined one of their careers and almost ruined both of their careers. She had to like go around and get like letters of recommendation from <laughs> famous directors before she could work again. And I uh, guess he didn't do the same work. So then he was like, well, I'll just be on a show later, maybe. How surprising is it, though? We were so excited as kids about three new Star Wars movies. This is the second one, and it's the third biggest movie of the year. Spider-Man and Boromir both passed this movie. Wow. That feels like a failure, right? Like, it was supposed to be the premiere thing in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was... We had already been so... And the public had been so, like, sort of bitten by how bad the original one was. And yeah. it was like, everybody was like, you know what? I'll tell you this much. This next one is not going to be as bad as that first one. Now that it's going and we'll be able to, wait to be away from the child actor, everything is going to be fine. And then seriously, it shits the bed even harder. <laughs> like, I just think people were just tired. Oh, you just watch. It. You watch how bad I can make a movie. Caitlin, do you think that the failure of the movie was ultimately because nobody at any point said, oh, my God, it's an attack of the clones. <laughs> I think they did say it once, actually, Ryan. Fucking and um, what the that fuck makes is this it, movie? That makes it a great movie and does make me want to watch it right after this. <laughs> All right, before we take a break, I have one more to go through. This is the number four movie of the year. I, I believe this is the second in the series. This is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk to you guys not about this movie, which is pretty much everyone agrees is the worst one. Yeah. Like, this is before they switched directors. This is Chris Columbus's second movie. Um, and everybody was like, all right, bud, you got to go. We're, we're, this is too much money on you. Um, I want to talk about the state of the franchise today. 2022. Where are we at with this 
uh, Fantastic Beasts is sort of like a dwindling failure. When is the next time we see something from this world, do you think? And what will that be? I mean, my wife was the biggest Harry Potter fan, but J.K. Rowling, like, burned through all the goodwill. Like, to it is around these parts, it is like a, it's a dead franchise. We went from, like, having the decorations all over the place and being excited about the next things to come out to, like, never mentioning it or thinking about it. It's become, I think, a major, like, battleground in the so-called culture wars. And I, I just don't think that, like, most people can feel comfortable being into a franchise, the creator of which is just so vocally and still currently every day being like trans women aren't women. Like it just It's you have to give her credit. She keeps coming out with more statements that say, No, you guys misunderstood me. I Let just me take another go at this. Uh Caitlin, were you ever a Harry Potter person? Oh yeah, I went to the premieres of almost every single one of the movies. I went to Borders Bookstore when the mo- when the books came out. Um, the book reveals at midnight. Um, I was a huge Harry Potter fan. And these fucking kids, these like 10, 11, 12 year olds would knock out a 500 page book in a night. Oh yeah. yeah. That's I would so read crazy. These in a night or two. And uh, it, they were great and I would dress up as the characters, but then yeah, these new movies are hot garbage. I thought I was going to be all into them. They're so bad, They're Ryan. so boring. And I love bad movies. Like, as you yeah. can see, as I love Clack of the Clones, uh-huh. these are bad <laughs> movies, Ryan. I mean, that's the other thing. The double whammy of I'm going to piss off all of my progressive fans, which for Harry Potter, that's a well, lot like of them. Almost yeah. all of them. Conservatives yeah. won't do it because it's teaching witchcraft to Christianity, yeah. so they don't like it. You based uh, your bad guy on the premier fascist, and then you were surprised when all of the fans were anti-fascist. Oh, I see. J.K. Rowling was upset. She was like, he's not the premier fascist. I'm the premier I fascist. <laughs> I'm Voldemort. But then, yeah, also, I haven't seen them, but I hear a lot of Caitlin's sentiment of, they're also trash movies. So what are we doing here? It became so clear that um, what really, really was compelling about the original Harry Potter stories was Hogwarts. That was uh-huh. a really good idea. Like the having a school for witches and wizards, it worked well for a series of books. It worked okay for a series of movies. The second she didn't have that to lean on, like it's just so boring. It, the, she had no other good ideas. Like when the Muppet Babies became Muppet adults. When the Muppet if, Babies grew up. Yeah. If I offered you guys the Harry Potter, all the Rowling verse franchise for one half of an oil company, would you do it, sit on it, maybe wait for 10 years, do some more plans, or are you? is it just like a bunk franchise now? I think it's, it's pretty bunk. bunk. And I think that's <laughs> J.K. Rowling's doing. Damn, dude. I yeah, because yeah. you can't circle the square of, you, you pointed it out, Ryan, you can't circle the square of all the progressive fans hate it, and at its core, it's about witchcraft. And so there's nowhere left for her to go with it, really. It's just going to be an increasingly... What if, what if Kevin Feige came out and he said, I'm taking over and he has she has no responsibility? Does that change things? No, I don't think they could wash it clear of her. The way, it's, it's, it, it's the way it has sunk into the property. It's like not even a conscious choice for a lot of people to not be into it anymore. Because honestly, when you look at the books and when you look... the More the books and the movies, 
you can see that she's a toxic person in the way she wrote the books. The, several yeah. like characteristics of, of people are quite racist and stuff that the, you would just move past if you were reading it and not yes. know anything about her. That's yeah. so crazy. And there's a meanness and a cruelness in in her book that I in her books that I think is just now we know that that's part of the person. What if she tweeted, "Hey, you know all that trans stuff? J.K. Rowling on the floor laughing." <laughs> Would that solve everything? <laughs> I think you figured out how to actually sell it, Ryan. Uh, I think I that don't idea that costs su- two oil companies, and I want them. <laughs> I don't know if it's sufficient, Ryan, but I do think that's what healing will begin to look like. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take one last break, and then apparently there were other franchises besides these four giants. All right, there's a couple of these that we have to get through real quick. Uh, guys, what would happen if there was an Ice Age movie today? Did In 2002, did it seem like Ice Age was going to be the next big thing? Greg, we should start with you because Caitlin is blushing and covering her face. <laughs> uh, I would say... I have to actually say yes, Ryan. The question is so set up for me to go no, but I just I happen to have nephews who were like the correct Ice Age for this movie and they That's really nice liked age. it um if i'm not mistaken um friend of the show perhaps best friend of the show johnny legs is uh does a voice in this movie it's got the guy it's got the little guy with the uh, acorn that america Scratch. seems to love if, and i think i think future if we pop filter hall of famer ray romano oh my gosh yeah i think if we weren't currently addicted to minions ice mm-hmm. age would still be ruling Caitlin, does this does this franchise need to come back? God no. I watched this first movie and I don't know what about it. I think it was like the imminent doom that just scared me. <laughs> I liked it and then I was I don't know. It sent me down a spiral and I was like, I do not want to see any of these movies ever again. So the fact that it got picked up for so many sequels and that it just recently died, like it, it's crazy. Is there something unfun about watching a movie where there's a climate catastrophe as like the yeah. background of the action? I think I think that's what really got to me. Yeah. <laughs> this is my future. Two and a half years from now. <laughs> um in two thousand two, we got a movie called Die Another Day. Greg, do you know what that is? That is one of the James Bond movies, right? Is that the one with Halle Berry? I Die think Another Day. Who was the singer, Caitlin? Do you remember? I think, oh my gosh, I have, I can think of the song in my head, but I can't think of who it was. Isn't that one of the weird ones where it's like a rock band that does it? It's Madonna. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, it's Madonna. But yeah, sometimes it'll be like, uh, James Bond theme by Imagine Dragons. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, wait, what? Isn't it supposed to be a sultry lady? What's going on? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this I think was... The thing that was dying another day was the James Bond franchise. Yeah. Um, since then, we've had, and I don't like, uh, compared to Spider Man and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, this was, and Star Wars, this was out. Like, nobody gave a fuck, right, about this? Oh, yeah. I think Pierce Brosnan, everybody gave him, like, the chance with Goldeneye. And then I think it was kind of already over by the end of Goldeneye. If we're going to rate. Rise of the Resistance in Star Wars things. We have to rate Goldeneye for N64 for James oh. Bond things. Oh, yeah. And that that's so far above almost all movies, right? For sure. I think, well, we saw Die Another Day. I think that was one of my first 007 movies. 
And then after that, I we watched so many others. It, but the reason why we did is because we loved GoldenEye, the, the video game on the N64. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, for so many people, that was, wait, there's a movie based on this? Yeah. <laughs> in they Golden made a movie about a video game? In GoldenEye 64, there's a part where you have to take an elevator. And when you get into the elevator, the music in the level switches to elevator music. <laughs> and I remember I had never seen anything like that in a game before. And I was so impressed. I also see so much on social media about the pause menu song. Yeah. The theme that plays. Just For that sure. Daniel Craig is gone. So what is the state of the franchise today? Like, Are you guys looking forward to a new James Bond, or do you care at all? Um, I might watch another one, um, but I guess it's not like top of my list. I'm going to go see this. It's what? fine. What if it's not a straight white male? <laughs> then I'd be more excited, but I feel like it's the same movie over and over again. So I d- it doesn't, like, whoever is 007, the story is the same. If they were to switch up the story a little bit, Fast and Furious it, I don't know. Maybe it'd be more exciting and I'm, I'd be more inclined to watch it. That's what I was going to say is that I agree with Caitlin, and this is coming from two Fast and Furious fans, of I can tell more differences between each Fast and Furious movie than I can James Bond movies. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there are casting decisions they could make that would be interesting that would get me back into the theater. I felt like for the last, like, 10 years, Idris Elba was, like, the only person, the only actor who should be James Bond. And I think that's just so clear. And I think that that would be, like, the franchise moving in an interesting new direction. Um but I, I kind of sat out the whole Daniel Craig. I felt like the, oh really, yeah. And I know that's I know that's that's weird because a lot of people say that's like a has been a great moment in it. But I felt like gritty realism and James Bond were just a weird combination that I could never get into for whatever reason. Idris Elba, I don't know, kind of freaks me out because Idris Elba's American accent, he's sexy as hell. James Bond with his British accent, sexy as hell. Idris Elba's British accent. He's just like, oh, what is all this, Dad? Is this dumb <laughs> James Bond? Am I going to be James Bond then right now, am I? God, have you heard his rap songs in his accent? No. And to him, it's not an accent. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, Born Identity also came out this year. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's really? sort of the reason for the Daniel Craig yeah. James Bond style. Do we want or need more Bourne movies now? I feel like Cassie would disagree and say more Bourne every day. But I, I didn't honestly didn't even know we had another Bourne movie that came out this uh, year. There was, there's four. Oh, geez. Five total. No, five total. There was th- oh, wow. The first one was this year, and then two more Damons, and then one Jeremy Renner, and then one more Damon. And the wow. Ren- the fourth, the Renner one, and the fifth... Uh, Damon one were both flops. Like everybody was like, "We're done. We're, we got it." Yeah, I think we have. I think we have probably fully explored the idea, but I, I think that the it's, it was a strong franchise, and in two thousand and two, it was certainly a strong franchise. The thing I love about it, though, is that like in literature and film, to like uh, movements happen when you decide to do the opposite of what had been done. Yeah, and this was such a clear one to me. It's just like. Action movies are crazy, and now we have the born identity, and now they're not. 
And then it, it like over it swept over James Bond, and now James Bond has to be like this. And then Fast and the Furious came out, and like it's very clear dividing lines of what yeah. action movies need to be, you know. Uh, four ex- two extra bonus points. Does anybody remember the name of the porn movie that Julie Cooper from the OC starred in? The porn movie? Yes. No. The porn supremacy? Oh, the porn identity, Greg. Uh. The porn identity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even know that I understand the question. I just thought I could figure out the answer. In the OC, she had a a sex tape, right? Oh, okay. Because she's from Riverside. She's from Riverside. (laughs) They all have porn (laughs) sex tapes. Um, I've got a couple more, guys. We're going to do this uh, lickety-splickety. Men in Black 2 came out. I would say the state of the franchise dropped significantly and has continued to drop since then. Are we ready for a 2022 Men in Black? No, they ruined the Tessa. I mean, they couldn't even do Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Like Thor and Valkyrie, and you guys can't figure it out? Yeah, it was like, I, I think it's just time for that to be done. There was just, they caught lightning in a bottle with the first movie, and everything has just been awful since then. I watched the newest one, but. International? Yeah. I just, I don't know if I loved it, but would I watch another one? Maybe, if it has Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth again. <laughs> What uh, used to be a joke idea now seems brilliant because of the lack of ideas in Hollywood. But when that Sony leak, the email leak happened, uh, there was an email that just listed all of their proposed ideas. And one was 21 Jump Street slash Men in Black. Oh, hell yeah. That sounds fantastic. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Do that one. Yes. Yeah, do that one. All right. So State of the Franchise, 21 Jump Street, Men in Black, please. Um, Blade 2 came out this year. This is the Guillermo del Toro one. Um, then there was a third one, and then 2022, the script and the shooting went away, and now it's all being restarted. Oh, wow. What do we want from an MCU blade? I think a lot of sword fighting. I think that's mostly what it's about, like sword fighting and trench coats and that whole like techno goth thing that Uh the, the Matrix gave us. I think you have to find a way to reboot that vibe. I'm not sure that it will totally carry over, but I think if you focus on um, real, like, uh, live sword fighting in the movie, I think that that's where Blade really shines. But this is something, too, that, like, Deadpool, I think, is going to have a problem with. Are you pitching things that gel with Blade and Deadpool with Disney? Yeah, I guess this is, like... I don't know. I don't know how you do Blade in the Disney way. Like, I mean, it's. Do you expect to go to California Adventure and like Blade walks up to you? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, Greg! I thought you were saying that the new Blade movie for Disney takes place at California Adventure. Dude, when are they gonna? When are they gonna make a Star Wars show that's actually set <laughs> in Star Wars Land in Disneyland? I, I, now is the time. We're ready for a Batu-based show. No matter what, they have Mahershala Ali and. That's a good start. Uh, The final one is this was the year of Jackass the movie. 2022 (laughs) saw Jackass Forever, the fourth movie. Guys, what is the state of the franchise of Jackass? Taylor, did you see it? I did not see it. I I used to watch Jackass like on MTV when I was younger, but it was just too much pain to watch it. Yeah, Ryan, I I think you're the expert here, Ryan. So speak to the most recent one because neither of us have seen it. Uh, It is all of the same people, old as fuck yeah that almost like scares me to even think of right? them doing this stuff doing the same things it's it, it i honestly think that it will make my top 10 of the year like it was wow. an incredible movie 
Um, <laughs> not just because of the stunts, but because they really have started putting them together in a way where they they understand how like to build up momentum as far as friendship goes, and like <laughs> just like it, it's really endearing and you oh. just want to be a part of the group even though that means that the the, the skin of your shaft of your penis will be ripped off at some point oh. if you hang out with them but yeah that's, I, it's they, so gory sometimes or so like painful to even see some of what happens that i i get like queasy watching uh, it this it's the only franchise that i because you know horror movies i uh I never lose the fact that they're, you know, fake while yeah. I'm watching them. So I never really look away, even if it's like, oh, this is getting stabbed into a fake eye or something. But Jackass, <laughs> at certain points, you have to cover your eyes. Seriously, you right? It. Yeah. But before the movie came out, they said, this is the last. This is the last. We're so fucking old. And then now that it's been like a year since it was released, they're starting to be like, oh, we could do one more, right? They're Let's addicted just do one to more. it, right? Even if they didn't get paid. I mean, I'm sure the money is nice, but I just think that that... Part of what's always been weirdly compelling about that is that they are addicted to doing it. Like mm-hmm. the release of all the endorphins of either landing a trick or hurting from <laughs> not doing it. Honestly, because Caitlin contains multitudes, I don't know if sitting next to her in a theater would be her throwing up the entire time or standing on her chair going, yeah, yeah! the entire time. <laughs> Well, that's going to be a combination of both. <laughs> and isn't, I, yeah, I think for almost everybody, it's a combination of both those things. It, like, it really is. It's a very effective. Like, exactly everything they're trying to do, they pull off and they are virtuoso at it. Like, they do an amazing job. It's just, just so difficult. Just so we're clear, a uh, combination of both means standing on your chair and throwing up and <laughs> puking. Yeah, <laughs> hands in the air, just puking. <laughs> Uh, the other franchises I have listed here, I think that are better off dead. It's uh, Resident Evil. There's a TV show that came out this year. Like, what are we doing? Does anybody <laughs> know what we're doing here? No, I don't know what we're doing. The games uh, are still good. The games are still kicking. The Mummy. Brandon Fraser's moved on. I think we all should. Uh, I wish we could. Could we reboot with the Frage, though? I don't know, man. He's Maybe if he plays the Mummy. He's a big then- dude. He's a big dude. We can work around that. The last one is, this was the year of 28 days later, and then we got 28 weeks later. Shouldn't uh, we get yeah. 28 months later at some point? <laughs> we deserve it. We deserve it. All right. That's the state of the franchise. I would say that we're doing better now, believe it or not. I would say that most of them, we said, we're still doing okay, as opposed to most people who talk about 2022 movies, which are like, uh, it sucks. Everything sucked. Yeah. We, we still, I mean, we're just little franchise bitches. That's all we care about. <laughs> We still have Spider-Man. We still have uh, Lord of the Rings. We still have Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You guys watching Andor? Oh, I love the Andor. I haven't finished yet, but I am watching Andor. It's so epic. I love it. Gritty Star Wars. That's the way to go. And uh, we're still waiting for our new James Bond and Jason Bourne. But I think that we're doing okay. Guys, there's so much more coming up this season. Punch Drunk Love, Adaptation, Morvern Caller, and so much more. For Greg, for Caitlin, I am Ryan. And please... Keep watching those movies.